0: Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, the book of Mark chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. I'm going to go ahead and pull this right on over if we can. Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. We planned this so y'all would have some time to get your scriptures right because y'all be relying on this screen a little bit too much. Um, But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. So we're going to read right through. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, verse 11, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. If you will suffer with me for a little while, I'd like to speak from a message entitled, Open Doors with Faithful Fours. Bow our heads. God, speak through me with the same conviction that you delivered this message, Father. Cultivate the seeds and the open soils of the hearts here in front of me. Do the work that you can do without us. Thank you for including us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if any of y'all could tell, but I'm not real athletic I don't do a whole lot of athletic-type stuff, and that ain't just now. When I was a kid, I wasn't real athletic. I, I went to a, one, of our, one of our members' kids' basketball games last week, and he was all up and down that court. and I was in the eighth grade, and I remember I got four points in the whole season, and they were free throws, all of them, but... I wish I could say I only shot four free throws and I was just getting in the way and getting fouled all the time. That's what I was good at. I don't do a whole lot of athletic stuff. Uh, and, and it reminded me when I was thinking about this scripture about the man's vulnerability, right, being a paralytic. Now, I'm not a paralytic and I, I'm, 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 I am blessed to have, um, you know, all fully functioning limbs. But I do remember one time that I was riding my bike in the backyard and there was a hill. And I had gone down this hill a million times on my bike, right? And I'm just out there, like, just going, like, just speeding down this hill in the back. But this one particular day, there had been a golfer, or something, that dug a little hole right where my bike needed to go, and it resulted in me flipping over my wheels, and I was messed up. I don't know the type of like. I don't know if you remember. It's been a, probably a long time for some of you, but it's the type of wind that you lose that you don't like. It's days before you get your wind back, and you just. You guys know that feeling? It was agonizing. I was, I didn't break nothing because I'm well padded, but it was agonizing. And I remember in that moment though, I remember my, my parents saw me and they came running out and I remember I was just wrapped. And they had to pick me up. And I'll be honest, when they picked me up and carried me in, because I was messed up like that, um, I think I was more afraid of being picked up and carried than I was actually being hurt. Some of y'all ain't hearing me. I think I was more afraid of being picked up and carried than I was of actually being hurt. See, a lot of us are used to the pain. A lot of us are used to the hurt. A lot of us are used to the agony. But what we're not too used to is sharing that with other people. What we're not used to is the vulnerability it requires of a person to sit on a map where you're on a mat where your life has been relegated. And have people come and pick up the four corners of that mat and carry you where you need to go. There's something about being carried that places in you a fear of falling, a fear of failure, a fear of embarrassment and ridicule. There was a vulnerability I experienced in that moment that was worse than the pain itself. And I would imagine this man in some ways felt the same. But what I want to do today is talk about four different doors we see in this scripture and then the four friends that found those doors with him. Because this month, as you know, we've been talking about spaces. Spaces is togetherness. Spaces is relationship one with another. Spaces other-centeredness. Space is founded on the promise that where two or more are gathered, the Spirit is with you there. Does that mean that the Spirit's not with you when you're alone? That's not what the scripture says. No, it means that God shows up in a special way when you are with someone else, and particularly with your fellow believers, your brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to pick it up in verse 5. I want to take another look at, at verse 5, and what we see in verse 5 is something very peculiar, and this is going to be the introduction to our first door. In verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And now my question is, what does these men's faith have to do with this man's sin? What does these men's faith have to do with this man's sin? Hey, what if your life affects more than your life? What if your experience affects more than your existence? What if your faith affects more than your future? What if there's some level of connectivity between your faith and the sins of the person sitting next to you? The sins of the person with whom you are sharing and experiencing spaces. I think this is a very, very peculiar part of this scripture because we find that Jesus forgave this man's sin. Jesus forgave this man's sin based upon the faith of his friends. And I just want you to ask yourself how is the faith of your friends bringing forgiveness in your life? How is the faith of your friends bringing healing, restoration? How is the faith of your friends investing and fortifying the faith within you? Who's your for? Who is your for? I know we spent some time in 2019 talking about four my four. Some of you may be familiar with that. That is our, our our radius outreach model. And COVID shut a lot of that down. We ain't done with it. Don't think we're done with it. And 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 but but in that challenge, we are challenged to go find four people to pour into. But I want to ask you, what's the inverse? Who are the four people in your life pouring into you? says in verse 2 that they gathered in such large large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. This is our first door, the first door that the men bring the man to. The first door is the door of disappointment the door of disappointment. How many of you have experienced disappointment before? How many of you had a marriage that didn't work out or a job opportunity that didn't pan out or a business endeavor that didn't quite work out? How have you tried to enter into the door of disappointment only for that to be closed in your face? This first door, this door of disappointment, is the one that we awfully often get stuck on. Now, throughout the remainder of our story, we're going to recognize there's three more doors. It's not just one entryway to Jesus. There's other ways to Jesus sometimes the reason you can't enter through the ground level door is because God wants to elevate you to a high level door. Someone ain't listening today. Someone ain't listening. We recognize from scripture that, that these men actually carried this man up to the roof and dug through it. There was a level of elevation necessary for this man. Sometimes your ground level door is closed because God wants to elevate you to levels where you are coming down where you need to go up before you can come to him. There's a work sometimes that God wants to do in you before he can do to you. And we see these men's tenacity and their willingness to do that. We're going to move quickly onto the second door. The second door is found in verse 4. Verse 4 says that since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. That was verse 4. It says lowered the mat the man was lying on. See, see, I, I think some of us too quickly give up on our, our mission, too quickly give up on our calling, too quickly give up on the healing of our brothers and sisters because the first door we go to is the door of disappointment. And then sometimes we don't recognize that there's other doors. And sometimes we do. And then sometimes those second, third doors don't look any better than the door of disappointment. Because this door is the door of opposition. There was not just the disappointment of there being such a crowd at the door that they could not enter. But now they have the disappointment that as these men go to the top of the roof, there is two feet of clay and gravel and sticks and mud between them And Christ, two feet. The roofs and the the the, the houses in that time were flat. They were not like they, they they were not like the way our sanctuary is is made. Right? It was flat, so they could stand on the roof, and they had to dig through the dirt and the mud to get to that second door, which was opposition. Sometimes we're able to dodge that first door of disappointment, but then we find ourselves to the second door and there's a opposition still there. There's still adversity facing us. There's still a reason to become disappointed. Sometimes it's hard to keep your faith. See, these men did not allow the difficulty of the situation to deter the destiny of their friend. They determined that they would be determined determination is not in feeling it's not a byproduct it's a decision determination is a muscle determination is something that you choose to be and christians really love saying well whatever god's will is yeah 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 i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna and pray at the hospital side but i know that at that bedside oh you know, let god's will be done in your life brother and sister we love, we love those words. You know why? Because it doesn't require determination. It doesn't require a decision. All it requires is for you to show up and hope. And that's the difference between hope and faith is that faith is something that you need to actually do. Who are you being determined for? We're talking about spaces. Who are you being determined for? Sometimes the size of the problem actually reveals the power of the promise. See, these men recognize that they want their friend to be healed. And so they're not going to let that first door of disappointment turn them down. They're not going to get up to the rooftop and be upset that that rooftop is a rooftop, right? They're going to dig through that rooftop because they recognize that on the other side of that two feet of clay and dirt and mud is healing for their friend. So they hoped. So they hoped. Sometimes the opportunity is in the opposition. What do I mean by that? I mean that as soon as we see opposition, what we typically tend to do is believe that, well, there must be another way. There must be another prayer. It must be another day. This must not be God's will. But what does the scripture say? It says to pray and keep on praying. It says to knock and keep on knocking. It says to ask and keep on asking. How is the determination of the way you are living your life in community with other people blessing the people whose mats you are carrying? Who are you for? Are your circles dropping you off at the front door of disappointment or are they seeking to be at the second door of opposition? Who is digging through the roof for you? Who are you digging through the roof for? Verse 4 says they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. They had to dig through it. Some of us will enter into ministry or help a friend only to the degree that it's convenient to us. Some of us will choose Not to participate in the mess of another person because we don't want to get dirt on us. These men had to dig through dirt. They had to dig through the mud. They had to dig through the clay. There was hard work involved. How many of your friends are you getting down on your hands and knees for to actually dig through the mud? Or are some of us too afraid to mess up our manicure? Some of us will allow our brother and sister to miss their miracle because we don't want to get the mess on our hands. Oh, y'all quiet. Someone's either real convicted right now or I don't know what it is, but 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 the truth of the matter is that they had to do some digging. There was some dirt required in what they had to do. And I want to ask you, if you're truly journeying with your friends, if you're truly journeying with your Christian brothers and sisters, are you getting Dirty. Are you on your hands and knees? Is there mud stains on your pants? Because the door of opposition is never the last door. Someone needs you to dig through the mud for them. This means of reaching Jesus actually caught Christ's eye. And we know that by the interaction that they had and by the order with which the miracle was done, See, I believe that Jesus actually appreciated these men's determination, that he appreciated the means by which they took to to, to get to him because they dug and they dug and they dug and they were above and they had to dig down to get down. And what did Jesus like about that? Jesus liked that because that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus said, oh, I like your style. I do that. In fact, that's how I got here. I was above you, but what did I do? I entered into a dirt body. We were made from the dust of the ground, it says in Genesis, right? We, we, Christ, the creator, the one who created these men, actually subjected himself to the same shell of creation that he made for these men. Do you ever consider that? That Jesus Christ, in all his power, we know that God spoke in Genesis and that things were created, but did we know that Jesus Christ was the creator? As the Holy Spirit hovered over... The seas and the void, that Jesus Christ was the one. Why? Why do I know that? Because Jesus Christ, it says in John, that Jesus Christ is the word. And that the word is Jesus Christ. And in Genesis, it says that God created the heavens and the earth, and he spoke. What did he speak? Words. And so what is Jesus Christ? He is the word by which we were created. So Jesus is very familiar with getting on his hands and knees and creating out of the dust of the ground people. He's not afraid of your dirt. Christ is not afraid of your mess. Christ is here for it. He's in it. He's experienced with it. (laughs) There's no door of opposition that is greater or too big for Christ. Christ liked these men's style because they did what he did. Advocacy, allyship. Where in your life are you digging through the mud for your brothers or sisters? Christ had to dig through your shame, through your sin, through your sickness to get here and die on this cross for you. Are you willing to bear the shame, the sin, and the sickness of your brothers and sisters? No, you're not, Christ. Christ. But I remember Christ saying that, hey, even greater things than these you will do after I'm gone. We see this here in this verse. In verse 5, it says that when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith. See, we think of faith as something to fall back on. Well, you got to really have faith now. Uh, that's what we think of faith as. But Mark, Mark doesn't think of faith that way. Mark says the word faith in his gospel four times total. And every single time, it's not referring to a feeling. It's not referring to a word. Every single time, faith is referring to an action. See, because faith isn't a feeling. Faith is a flex. Faith is a, faith is a muscle. Faith is something that becomes easier as you exercise it, right? That's what faith is. And we find this true here because these men wasn't afraid of climbing no back wall to get up to a muddy rooftop that they had to dig through. These men weren't afraid of that. Because their friend was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. To Jesus, faith is something you can see. In fact, it's something you can see in response to something you can't see. And we know that because the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, 1 is that, that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. So we can see here in this scripture that Christ recognized the faith of these men. And he responded to their faith for the blessing of the sin of the person they were carrying. Who in your space is depending on your faith? Whose faith in your space is depending on you? Sit with that for a minute. Who in your space is depending on your faith? And whose faith in your space is depending on you? How are the spaces you are sharing leading you to carrying somebody else's mat? I just want to take a a, a quick moment just to consider what this man had to experience. A quick moment just to consider. Stephen, if you'll do me a favor, I know you're about to get up, man, but I need you to bring that chair up here and come, come sit right here. I need you to come. I need you to bring one of those chairs right on up here. I need you to come sit on up here. You' about to take pictures of me, but we ain't going to let it happen. Not today. You're going to come up here. You're going to sit on this chair because listen, I want us to really consider what this man had to experience. What did this man have to experience? Right. We had that first door, that first door of disappointment. We now have a second door of opposition. And just like Stephen's going to come and sit on this chair here, we see that this man, he was on a mat, probably much less comfortable than a chair, and you're going to hold the camera, too. You're going to hold the camera. See, and now, if you will pull up the, the verse on Ecclesiastes, the verse on Ecclesiastes, and we've been talking about spaces all month long. We've been talking about togetherness. Uh, Miss Paula, if you do me a favor, if you come on up, if you'll come on up, I just want to reenact what this man may have experienced in a slight form or fashion. See, because what we see is that this man was sitting on a mat his life was relegated to that one place. There was a matter of vulnerability there, right? And so I want to ask you about your circles. I want to ask you about your friends. Here in this instance, Ms. Paula, can you pick this boy up and take him to Jesus? Pick him up and take him to Jesus. If you... Oh, she's taking her shoes off. Uh-oh. I might have asked the wrong one, y'all. Hold up, hold up. <laughs> I, might, I might have asked the wrong one. You're about to mess up the whole... Should I do it with the chair? You want me to try? Do what you can. You do what you can. You do what you can. Yeah. No, no, you gotta see you you see you got something to lose right there. You still got something to lose. So you imagine the vulnerability you experience just in holding that camera. No, face this way. Face this way. Put your legs. Now he's paralytic now, so remember he can't move all around all like that. So he's doing all the most. Doing all the Oh so ooh ooh, ooh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you gotta lay hands, okay? Oh she's gonna do it. She might do it. She might do it, y'all. She might do it. She might do it. She might, she might, she might do it. She might she might do it. You can blow your back out of here on stage, pilot. Don't be doing it. Don't be doing it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that that was a little difficult. That was a little difficult. That was a little difficult. But I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and ask Pastor Henderson to join us. I'm gonna ask Pastor Henderson to join us. He moved up to the front row, so he would just let me know he's trying to, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to ask. Now, now I think this may be a little easier. Let's try with two people, right? Because what does Ecclesiastes say? It says two are better than one, right? It says two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. So you're working, but you're not working alone. You are working together. Can we pick them up? Amen. Amen. Someone put your hands together. Someone put your hands together. Amen. Amen. Now y'all stay right there. Stay right there. Because I'm going to ask, I'm going to go ahead and ask, ask, ask Brother Ricky. Brother Ricky, if you'll come on up, you'll come on up. Because if we keep reading in Ecclesiastes, right? If we keep reading in Ecclesiastes, it says that one can help up the other, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. So we have three. And then it says also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And it says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three scra- strands. So let's see what we can do with 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 the three of us here, with the three of you guys here. We just yeah yeah we could we could shot put him at this point. Look at him. All right all right oh look at him look at him look at him they're yes. Now now I'm, now Ecclesiastes doesn't say this, but I want to go one step oh, further. I want to go one step further, and I want to say, what happens when you can get four people around you? When each one of you represent a corner of this man's life, when each one of us represents a, 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 a disappointment over here, okay? When one of us represents discouragement over here, when, when, when one of us represents de- uh, destitute right here, okay? When one of us represents uh, another D word that sounds real good right here. So what happens? What happens? Depression, depression right here. So what happens when I'm going to pick up his depression, you're going to pick up his destitute. You're going to pick up his his disappointment. You're going to pick up his discouragement. What happens? Who is at the corner of your mat? Who's on your four corners? We're talking about spaces, but we ain't just talking. We're living spaces. So if we're going to be each of us on one side on the count of three, one, two, three, this ain't nothing. Where's Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Amen. 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 We're going to put it down. We're going to put it down. Okay. Go get your picture now, man. Go get your picture. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. My bad, my bad. Listen, listen, guys. I, I, this, I want you to go into your week with this visual of being carried by four people. Listen, if you got one, I'm grateful. If you got two, I'm thankful. If you got three, I feel blessed for you. But if you got four, if you got four, you got more. If you got four, you got more. If you got four, that means there's another door. There's another door. And our third door, our third door as we move into this is called obedience the door of obedience. In verse 10, we're going to pick it up in verse 10. It says, So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, he took his mat and he walked in full view of them all. In full view of them all. This is another door. This is the door of obedience. This, this door is one that challenges the man. See, because, see, because <clears throat> if you will get up, you can get up. If you will forgive, you can forgive. If you will love, you can love. The Holy Spirit responds to your movement. And we see here that Jesus Christ, hey, thanks guys for bringing this man to me. Your advocacy for this man forgave him of his sins, but it did not heal him. Because we see that these men brought this man to Jesus, but did not do so for the forgiveness of sins. He did so so that he could be healed. See, because it was what the friends did for the man that got him forgiven, but it's what he did for himself that got him healed. Some of y'all are trying to hear me today. It's what he did for himself that got him healed. Some things God wants to finish by grace that he first wants you to begin by faith. There's this concept of prevenient grace. It's grace that existed before you messed up. It's grace that existed before you needed it. That's what this grace, And but this grace we find here in scripture, we find in scripture that that this is the grace that God wants to use to finish what this man starts by faith. Because this man had to face every single fear that he ever had to live with in order to be healed. These men helped him gain forgiveness, but not healing. That healing came through him facing every fear he ever had. Fear of humiliation, fear of disappointment. What if this doesn't work? This man's never walked in his life. How are you going to be on a mat and have a man tell you get up and he doesn't even know what that means? How do I move my feet to get up? How does my core work to lift my feet? To do something you've never done in your life that requires you to face every fear you've ever had? That's the type of situation we're talking about. So not only now is this man vulnerable, not only now is this man hurt and humiliated, he's filled with mud from coming through the roof. He's got the sweat of all the dudes that was carrying him on him. And now he's sitting on a mat being asked to do something he's never done before. Maybe you've been asked to forgive. Maybe you've been asked to put the bottle down. Maybe you've been asked To be the type of parent you didn't get to have growing up. Something you don't know nothing about. This man had to face every fear. And I'm going to ask you, how are your circles leading you to your opportunities to be obedient? Because it's in this man's obedience, this door of obedience, that he gains his healing. It's not in the advocacy of his friends. It's in his obedience, when God asked him to do a thing and he faced his fear, he moved and the spirit followed. He moved and the spirit followed. He picked up one leg and the spirit followed. He picked up the other leg and the spirit followed. Sometimes Jesus is just waiting on your movement. Waiting on your movement. It says in verse 12 that he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view. And this amazed everyone and this praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Now, there's context in this scripture that lets you know that Jesus has been in contention with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious rulers of the time. So he's already being criticized. He's walking around doing miracles. He's saying that he can forgive. We see in the scripture that he's challenged. Who is this man who's blaspheming in the name of God saying your sins are forgiven on earth? They've never heard this, never seen this. But we can see here in scripture that as a result of this man's walking, as a result of this man's miracle, people are amazed. Sometimes the miracle God wants to do in your life is simply to validate the existence of God in it. Y'all ain't hearing me. Sometimes the miracle God wants to do in your life is simply to validate his existence in your life for the people who are watching. Who came and believed as a result of this man's miracle. This is the door of revelation. Revelation. This is the door of revelation. Sometimes if you dig up the past door, if you go on right on to the next slide, dig up the past door of disappointment. You open up the door of opposition. You enter through the door of obedience. You can run through the door of revelation. You can run through the door of revelation. Revelation. The space created by these four men revealed life and power to everyone watching. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These men had something to do with it. But the man had something to do with it. But not them alone. Spaces where two or more are gathered, Christ said, I will be there in a special way. And Christ finished the work that these five men did in company with one another. Every space you experience is a testament to the goodness of God. It reveals to the people around you the way God is moving in your life. It reveals the life that you have through him. It reveals the power that you have through him. How is your life and your walk with God a revelation of who he is to those around you? Revelation isn't just a scary, apocalyptic book with dragons and multiple-headed lions. I mean, we're talking about life. It does say in Revelation, though, that the enemy will be overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's done. And by the word of your testimony. Now, sometimes that word is less powerfully spoken and more powerfully lived. Sometimes that word is more easily recognizable through your actions than it is through your preaching. Sometimes people don't want to hear what you got to say about the Bible, but they want to see how you live about it. Sometimes you are going to be the only Bible a person reads. You and your life and your actions and your attitude. How is your life revealing who God is in his character to those around you? Yeah, that's a good word. The faith of these four friends didn't only carry a paralytic man to his healing. It brought belief to the unbelieving and it brought revelation to the unseeing. Just before I close, I want to read a quote from a book called Fundamentals of Christian Education. Listen to this. Listen to what the author says. Listen, listen. It says, we live in a hard, unfeeling, uncharitable world. Satan and his confederacy are plying every art to seduce the souls for whom Christ has given his precious life. Everyone who loves God in sincerity and truth will love the souls for whom Christ has died. It says that everyone who loves God in sincerity and truth will love the souls for whom Christ has died. It doesn't say the souls in the sanctuary. It doesn't say the souls in your next door neighbor. It doesn't say the souls in your family. It says everyone for whom Christ has died. And who is Christ died for? Everyone. Everyone. Next slide. If we wish to do good to souls, listen, listen, our success with these souls will be in our proportion to their belief in our belief in them. Yeah. If we wish to do good to these souls, our success with these souls will be in proportion to their belief in our belief in them. Respect shown to the struggling human soul is the sure means through Christ Jesus of the restoration of the self-respect that man has lost. Our job is not always to teach. Our job is not always to convince. Our job is not always to argue. Our job is simply sometimes to help restore the self-respect and help restore the self-determination power that that person has. That's what our job is to do. And how do we do that? We believe in them. What if people don't care about the God you believe in until they know how much you believe in them? if people don't care about the god you believe in until they know how much you believe in them so much of religion is based on the false idea that you have to have a certain level of faith but you will meet some people who are past the point of faith and this man was past point of faith. You may have been past the point of faith. You may have a brother, a son, a nephew who is past the point of faith. And you will, if you don't know someone, meet someone who is past the point of faith. In week one of this series, I asked the question, how is your journey leading you to hurt and broken people? And if your Christian walk is not leading you to share spaces with hurt and broken people, then what kind of journey are you really on? How do you minister to the person who's past the point of faith? How do you do that? Uh, Spaces is powerful, people. It's not just a a, a design and a card. Spaces is powerful. How do you minister to the person that's past the point of faith? What if the gospel is not about you believing in? What if the gospel is not about your faith in it, but it's rather about God's faith in you? If that's the case, the non-believers will become believers when you believe in them. So much so that they cannot deny the God that you believe in. Have you ever been believed in? So much so that you want to believe in whatever that person believes in because they believe in me. Who is carrying the corners of your mat? Whose mat are you carrying? Who are you helping through the door of disappointment? Who are you helping through the door of opposition? Who? Who are you for? Because on the other side of those doors, there is the door of obedience for that person. And there is a door of revelation for that person. Person. Now, I truly believe that there are two people here today. I believe that there are those who heard this message and would rather not. And that's okay. I'm mad at you. Because I've been in a rather not position before. That's okay. Just rather not today. There's tomorrow. But then I believe there's a second person who's heard this message feels the conviction, understand its truth, and wants to live life out differently than the way you came in this door. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know what Relove has to offer to help you in that journey. And we are excited for those that are partaking in that. Because listen, we have people online who jump into a small group online every single there's small groups in person that people are coming every single week. We're splitting groups up right now because people are coming every single week. If you're not that person, I want to invite you to be that person. Some of you guys are like, no, nah, the group's not for me, man. I'm, not, I, I'm busy. I got a life. I'm, you know, I work. I know there's a, a lot of reasons, but whose salvation is depending on you? You're not Christ. Don't get me wrong but whose salvation is depending on you. If you are that second person and you truly do want to live your life differently as a result of the time we've spent and the move that God has done in your heart throughout this month that we talked about, the power of spaces, I just want to invite you to see this card right in front of you, Connect card. It's in the backseat pocket right in front of you. It may look like this, white and orange. And I don't know where you fit on this. You may be interested in a group we got five weeks left. We're only halfway through this season of Life Groups. We're going to end on April 9th. We take two weeks off, then we're coming right back in. So if now is not good for you, still sign up and let us know. We can get you plugged in after Easter. Might be prayer. Might be fellowship. I don't know what you need. But I know that there's probably even a third person in this place, and that's a person who's never chosen Christ. I don't want you to do that right now. I don't want you to stand up. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to do anything. We're just going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray it together. And if that was your first time praying that prayer, I just want you to check this right here. that says, I chose Jesus. Yes. I chose Jesus. Yes. And drop that off in the basket on the way out or at the connections table. We will follow up with you. You don't have to do anything publicly right now. But as we pray this prayer together, as you close your eyes, bow your heads, all eyes are closed and all heads are bowed. Just repeat this prayer after me. Father God, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. It's okay. We're all, we're all saying this prayer. We're all professing our faith today. So you can repeat after me whether or not you've been baptized. This isn't about water. This is simply about the profession of our faith. We're in community here together. So everybody can follow with me. We accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. We don't want to continue life alone. We want to enter into community with you and your people. Thank you, God, for hearing and answering these prayers. In Jesus' holy name, amen.